This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. Yo, Hopeland Church, what's up? Welcome to church today. We're about to dive into the Word of God. This is part two of Making Room. Really excited about this. We're continuing our series. Um, Today, uh, January 9th, we are starting our 14-day fast. And so um, those of you that that were able to be a part of our, um, our fast info night, I hope that was really helpful for you. We're encouraging everybody in our community to fast with us. Um, we've been posting, you know, kind of, we'll, and we will be posting our prayer points with the four things we're focusing on in prayer this, this uh, fasting season we're in. Um, the message, making room, that's what fasting's all about, is making room. So uh, those that are in person are uh, getting their prayer journals today, as well as those online that, has, that have given us your address, we're going to be mailing those to you. Uh, They should be in the mail actually as of now. So hopefully if you haven't gotten it already, you will get it at the first part of this week um, in the beginning of the fast. So we're going to jump into the word. Let me pray and, uh, and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, uh, God, for what you're doing in the lives of people in our community. We thank you, Lord that you are working in us and through us like never before. I pray that as we begin our fast, as we get into this word, Lord, that that this word uh, pierces our heart, touches us and changes us. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said amen. So let's jump right in, folks. We're gonna start um, and continue with the story of the uh, notable woman that made room for Elijah. So we're gonna literally just continue with what we were reading um, this past weekend, last Sunday, and we're gonna start literally right where we left off. We ended um, last week with verse 10 of 2 Kings chapter four. So we're gonna start with 2 Kings 4.11. Once again, 2 Kings 4.11, before I read, um, this is when she made the room for Elijah the prophet, put a bed in there, put a desk, and a, and, a, and a chair and a lampstand so he could go in there. So it just continues here with him going into that room. So here we go. Once again, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 11, and I'm gonna read all the way to 15. And it happened one day that he came there, that's Elisha talking into this room, and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Verse 12, then he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have concerned, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. Verse 14, so he said, what then is to be done for her? So he said this to Gehazi, his servant, and Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. Gehazi was straight to the point. (laughs) 
Uh, verse 15, so he said, call her. When he called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. All right, and it goes on and on there. All right, so we're gonna jump right into this. There's so much here, and we're gonna just continue to read through 2 Kings 4, but we're gonna just pause right here after verse 16. And, it, and this is powerful uh, about how she made room and this relationship she started to develop with the prophet. And they said, you know, man, you have been concerned for us with so much care. Like, I wanna do something for you. And what's interesting is when it says, when he said that in the Hebrew language, when he said, you've been concerned for us with so much care, that's not just talking about hospitality or just being cordial or, or being pleasant or being welcoming per se. It literally comes from a word um, that means trembling or to be in awe or to be in reverence. It's actually a term used in our worship to God. Now it can be used other ways, but what this is really saying is that this woman honored and respected and was in reference um, to the prophet. Okay, so this just isn't that they were, she was caring for them. Her, the posture of her heart was very respectful, very honoring. And this is the point that she recognized him for who he really was in God and honored that. Okay, and so this starts to open the door for her. Her honor starts to open the door. And this is my first point in, in respect to talking about making room is we need to make room for honor in our lives. All right, we wanna be people of honor, okay? And I know, I'm sure in our families and in, in in maybe the environment you grew up in, the, the, the type of environment you've come up in or been around, that maybe you didn't see a lot of honor. Maybe it was just like people just said what they want, how they want. They just shoot people down, talk about them behind their back. And where, you know, this even happens in, in biological families. Like the people are demeaning and hurtful and gossipy. And it's just like, wow, you know, but, um, but, and I understand that. And so, but we as Christ followers need to make room for honor. She in her making room for this man, making him a room and doing all that to care for him as he traveled. This really was at its core, um, a posture of honor. Like she recognized as we read last week that this was a man of God. And so we need to make room for honor in our lives. And here's a question, who do you value in your life? Like who do you genuinely value. Like you could say, man, I value this person or I, I value these people, right? And if so, do as this woman did. Bless them. Make room for them. Honor them. You know, and honor just basically means value. She showed exceptional value to this person and who they were in God. And now he's saying, man, you basically, you have honored me what can I do for you, all right? You have honored me, what can I do for you? And, and she wasn't looking for this. She, she was, they were, they were like, hey, what can I do for you? Can I, can I speak to the king for you? And she's like, I'm good, I dwell among my own people. Like, I don't have those kind of needs. I don't need you to talk to nobody for me, all right? And she walked out 
And so, and so this just shows you that she wasn't honoring so she could get. This wasn't manipulative. You can tell by her response. She was probably erring on the side of respect and honor and just like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Bless you. I hope you enjoy the run. I'll see you later. Right? So she was not trying to get something out of him. She was simply honoring him for his anointing and the call of God in his life and who he was in God. And she valued and she showed real value. And he said, you have, you have been concerned for us with all this care. So powerful. Okay. So, but this is the point, you know, so, so who do you value? Bless them, make room for them, honor them. Value always brings us to the point of inconvenience. Now, when you honor and love somebody, sometimes you're like, man, this is an inconvenience. I, I love this person. I, I'll do anything for them, right? And so she's not complaining about the inconvenience. But the point is this, is that true value, authentic honor, it, 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 it does bring us to a point to where she was relatively inconvenient. She had to take time and effort to build this place, to put this place there. And so if we truly honor people, we are willing, willing to be inconvenienced because of our honor for them. So once again, folks, make room for honor. Make room in your life this year to honor the people that you value. She wasn't looking for some type of reward, okay? She wasn't looking for it, but honor always has a reward. I think sometimes, um, I believe if we're truly honoring people, truly honoring those God placed in our life, um, I believe we will look back. And I'm just gonna read from my notes here that many times when we truly authentically just honor and value people and it's not about getting something, like I did this for you, you better do this for me. It's not manipulative. It's just, I'm gonna add value to you because I value you, period. And I'm gonna do for you what, what I desire for others to do to do for me, but I'm not gonna do for you and manipulate you into make, making you do for me what I did for you. No, I'm gonna trust God to do for me what I do for you, right? Come on, somebody say amen. But in hindsight, we see how the seeds we sowed were harvested in a very unsuspecting way, uh, but harvested nonetheless. So, so uh, you know, when we honor people, I'm telling you, it, this is a biblical principle. Uh, honor has a reward. Honor, honor always has a reward. When we honor and place value on people, on God, uh, on those around us, I'm telling you, this is a this is a kingdom principle. It's a biblical principle. I, it, I would even venture to guess it is it is a spiritual law that there's there's something scripturally. Uh, time and time again in scripture, you'll find that when we make room for honor and we refuse to dishonor, it does bring a blessing on our life. So let's look at this. Let's look at this. This is what Jesus said. All right. But Matthew chapter 10, verse 40 to 41. Matthew 10, 40 to 41. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. So here it is, verse 20, verse 41. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Like, what is this saying, okay? What is this saying? So I'm gonna kind of read it based on the true definitions of these words, okay? That's how I'm gonna read verse 41. So here, it'll, it'll make sense after I read it this time, all right? He who uh, welcomes in a receptive way a prophet as a result of recognizing 
having a revelation of their character and spiritual authority and distinguishing them from others will receive from a prophet a reward, divine recompense, recompense, right? So what is this? Meaning when, and what's interesting, I bet you if you have a study Bible, uh, uh, most study Bibles will have this reference, this scripture reference, when you're reading uh, the verses we're reading in, in 2 Kings chapter four, it, it'll reference it because this is what she did. Is she recognized him for who he really was. She truly saw him for who he was and as a result received a, a reward from him. That when we recognize the anointing of God, the grace of God, when we honor the person for who they are in God, right? We, we receive from the Christ in them, right? Uh, you know, if you, if you welcome a prophet in the character and authority of who they really are, we receive a reward. Honor has a reward, all right? So in the economy of God, honor is currency. It actually, in that word reward there actually means wages, so honor is literally a currency, folks. This is so important. This is, I mean, because you see this woman when she made room, really what all this is, is an act of honor. It's an act of honor, okay? Hallelujah. Here, here's my next point. And this goes along with it, guys. No people by the spirit. It's my next point. No people by the spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.16 it says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh or their, you know, their, who they are in the natural, who they are naturally, but knowing them by the spirit. Okay. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Um, yet now we know him thus no longer. All right. So no people by the spirit. Uh, she recognized something about him spiritually and there was a spiritual exchange as a result, right? Um, there's something about honoring the grace of God on people, honoring the Christ in them, honoring the Christ nature in them that, that, that just changes the dynamic of a relationship. So, so we must know people by the spirit, meaning recognize who they are in God and you'll receive from them based on how God has graced them. So there is something about honoring people for who they are and who they have been called to be. We cannot receive from those we dishonor. It does not work, all right? We cannot see people for who they are in the spirit and you receive the reward of their grace. All right, 2 Kings 4, 16. Let's look at verse 16. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. Here comes the reward. Here comes the reward. At about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maid servant. Don't lie to me, right? Don't. Don't, don't, you, don't lie to me. What, you know, uh, this could have been something she desired. 
could have been something um, that was deep in her heart, but she instantly was like, don't play games with me. All right, don't play games. This, this was obviously what she was seeking from him, but she's like, don't play games with me. And I want to give you, here's my next point, is that God wants to bless you. I don't know exactly what and how and where and who, but in the heart of God, like this woman is just honoring this man and God is desiring through this man because of her honor to bless her and God's going to bless her. And she instantly kind of had this voice of unbelief or like, don't play games with me. Um, I don't know, maybe she struggled with believing for it. We don't know, but she instantly was like, no, my Lord, man of God. So you see the honor in her language, the respect for this man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for you to be lying to me, okay? Uh, but let's look at verse 17 now. We're gonna read verse 17, keep reading. Um, but the woman conceived, all right, and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elijah had told her. Verse 18, and the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers, verse 19, and he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him, this is verse 20, when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. Okay, prophet prophesied. She has it according to what the prophet said. The Bible says it was the appointed time. It was the divine time. It was the divine blessing of God. This was from God. This came through a prophet. This was a blessing. This was a harvest. This was the blessing of God. And this wasn't something she was asking for, but God desired to bless her. And then the boy dies. Verse 21, and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. I'm telling you, here is my question, folks. Do you have room in your life to bring your despair to God, to bring your brokenness to God. Look at, she didn't even know that this would happen. She did not know she was gonna need a place to lay her dead son, right? But she made room, she honored. And like I said last week, one act of obedience today is making room, making room for a miracle tomorrow. You don't know, in hindsight, I'm telling you, you don't see all of what God is doing in your obedience today. You don't have to see it. God has God is not inclined, nor is he under obligation to tell you every little thing right now, but he is requiring obedience and faith from you today. But you gotta understand that God's setting something up. Your obedience is a setup. Your willingness is a setup for him to do something. I, she didn't know it, but she had something. This boy died and she knew exactly where to take him. She didn't just run off. She didn't just trip out. She didn't lose it. She went to a place that she had made room to hear from God. She made room. It was an act of honor to this man and to God. And she had a place to lay her dead child. She put him there and shut the door. Come on now. We need to make room. There's gotta be space and room in our life to bring our heartache, our brokenness, our tears, our desperation, whatever it is, that we have room, make room to bring 
your brokenness and your despair to God. This child was from God. The Bible says at a point in time, it was prophesied by the prophet. She didn't ask for it, all right? And this is in her journey with God, and this boy dies, okay? And, and we want sometimes to control every outcome in faith, and, and that's just not how God works. God doesn't work that way. We don't control all the outcomes. Come on, somebody needs to say amen. Um, when, 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 when things happen that we don't understand, God's requiring uh, faith and obedience. When, when, we don't, when, when things happen that we don't understand, God is requiring of us to seek him in and through it. That's what this woman did. Her baby died and she pursued, all right? So she pursued God and we're gonna, we're gonna look at this. But God's people, I think sometimes we aren't prepared to walk through tragedy at times. We aren't prepared because we don't think it belongs in the journey with God. And yet these things do happen. Um, some more severe than others, but they happen. In this world, you will have tribulation. Be, be of good courage, Jesus said, I have overcome the world, right? If you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't think that, that we, 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 and we get, we get shell-shocked. Uh, why would God allow this? And I don't have all the answers as to why, but uh, the answer is, as this woman did, she sought the Lord. She did not backslide. She did not leave God. She did not get offended by the prophet. She, through this, pursued the Lord. She put him in the place where the prophet laid his head, okay? So, I, and look, let, let me just tell you this. You know, when... When things happen in this world, everything can feel like it, it's being shaken. And the reason why it's shaking is because it can be shaken, okay? So, you know, I think we need to be honest. Like, how much faith do we put in just the current context of life we're in? Sometimes our, our current, uh, you know, ideal, oh, this is it. This is the life. I do this and this, this person does this and this, and man, we are just, you know, trucking along with life and everything is, you know, and then something comes in, we get thrown a curveball and, and, and the, 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 the normal rhythm of life is shaken. So as a result, uh, because we're human, we kind of feel the shaking ourselves, but, but really, I think we just need to be honest. How much faith do we place in our current ideal? And, and when that ideal, that ideal situation, whether it's a relationship, a social construct, your job, whatever, your family, when that is shaken and many times those things are literally shattered, okay, um, and, and they fall apart, when, 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 when our faith is in that, we fall apart with it. Come on now. Uh, you know, the wise man built his house upon the rock, right? And, you know, that's a nursery rhyme song. Um, you know, the foolish man built his house upon the sand, right? And so, so if we're honest, we put our faith in, in, in men, in women, in our mentors, in our pastors. We put our faith in our church, in our church culture, in the way that we do church. And, and we put our faith in who is that church. 
So when who changes, our faith changes. Come on, somebody, right? Instead of God himself. Now this woman, she, you can see, had her faith in God himself. So here's my next point. It's a question. What, or maybe even who, right? But it's worded this way. What is your faith in really? All right. What is your faith in really? Because her faith was tested. This is a prophet that prophesied something she did not ask for. And what she got died. She told him, I told you, don't lie to me. Don't deceive me. All right, let's look at verse 22. 2 Kings 4, 22 to 25. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. Verse 23. So he said, why are you, go why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. She said, it is well. It is well. She was, her faith was speaking. Her faith in God, her son is dead in that room they built. They had a mighty holy man of God up there and her son is dead. What is she, what is coming out of her mouth? It is well. All right, look at somebody and say, it is well. It is well. Verse 24, then she sat on the donkey, said to her servant, drive, and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. Verse 25, and she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. We need a faith, we need a faith that speaks contrary to the condition and the, and the, of what we're in. We need a faith that can say it is well when it isn't actually in the natural well, but because of her faith, it is well. It is well, and that, that, those three words, it is well, it's one word in the Hebrew, shalom, peace. He, 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 her husband was like, what are you doing? You're outside kind of the normal flow of going to see him during certain festive times or whatever, uh, you know, and, and, and she's like, peace. It is well. All right, verse 26, 2 Kings 4, 26, please run now to meet her and say to her, this is after the, uh, she goes to the prophet, all right? And this is what um, Elijah Elisha told Gehazi, all right, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered once again, it is well. It is well. Yes, is it well with the child? And this woman had the audacity to say it is well. Verse 27, now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. I told you she was a strong woman. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone for her soul is in deep distress and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Verse 28, so she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? So she's troubled. She's done nothing wrong. Something horrible has happened, a tragedy. She's in it, right? Um, and, and this really spoke to me here because she says, you know, I did not ask a son 
of my Lord. I didn't ask you for this. And, and the Lord really spoke to me about this is that in obedience, we find ourselves doing things or involved in things that we did not ask God for. Can I get an amen, somebody? That many times when we obey God, when we follow God, when we're living for God, we find ourselves doing things and around people and we say to ourselves, I did not ask for all of this, all right? But that's why it's called a calling. Elisha, the Bible says multiple times, he, the man of God, the prophet, the voice of God called her. So that's why it's called a calling. You don't ask for a calling, you answer it. All right, you answer it. Let's look at verse 29. Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. All right, verse 30, here we go. We're just reading through this story, okay? Verse 30, um, and the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave. Here's my next point. In this context, stubbornness is a virtue. Can I get an amen? Stubbornness is a virtue. This is something God will use. I mean, as the, she, and the mother of the child, child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Verse 31, now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither a voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to him, went back to meet him and told him saying, the child has not awakened. Hallelujah, stubborn, stubborn the child. So here it is in the process. He's not raised up yet. He's not raised up yet. And, and, and this requires this element of stubbornness. And this is what stubbornness means in the dictionary. It means dogged determination not to change one's attitude or position on something. That's what our faith needs to be like sometimes. Our faith needs to be stubborn dogged determination not to change one's attitude or position on something. This woman went through tragedy the right way. She put herself in the midst of the right people. Think about where she went. Think about she's in this trouble. Think about who she's dialoguing with. Those that can actually help the situation. Those that would keep her in the right direction. She knew where to go in tragedy She because she made room. She had a community, if you will, people around her, keeping her in the place that God had called her, even when she was heartbroken and walking through a tragedy. And this is the other thing, that even some theologians, um, uh, Hebrew scholars and stuff, they believe that in this moment, Elisha was something detached emotionally because of the way he did things. He was always telling Gehazi, you know, go, uh, Gehazi talked to her uh, just before this. Um, the, 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 these young people were, te just before this particular 
episode with this lady uh, in the scripture. It says that these young people were making fun of um, Elisha because he had no hair or whatever. And so he he like summoned these bears to basically kill some 42 young people, I think, something like that. And so, you know, he kind of went through a troubling time, I guess, you know, and he was somewhat detached. I mean, Elisha, his mentor was gone to heaven um, not too long before this. So, and just the way he's kind of carrying himself, somewhat distanced, and every time he would try to, you know, he tried to send Gehazi to raise the kid and that didn't work. And, um, and so, and this woman, and then even when the woman came to his feet, Gehazi was like, whoa, you know, um, step away. And then, um, Elisha was like, no, it's okay. She's, she's like troubled and vexed. I don't know what it is. So, so he was somewhat insulated emotionally. He was guarding himself. You could see that he was some relatively, he wanted to help her, but he was always, you know, so, um, so, through this, even this process, it was requiring Elisha to step out of what may have been very comfortable for him. Um, this, this is what community is about. That many times, even as a pastor, you might think, oh, wow, you know, um, pastors are so awesome. You know, they live for other people or what, you know what I mean? Or, you know, it's like, it is that calling. But, but I would say that I, I am challenged and I am growing because of the people I'm pastoring and how they pull me out of my comfort zones and what I am comfortable with. So and some people say, you know, you hear a lot of talk about pastors going to a city or a neighborhood or a community and say, wow, praise God for that church in that community. But I would say, man, praise God for this community, right? I, I believe that I don't, that I have been blessed by being here in so many ways, that this community has been a blessing to me. Um, and so it's the other way around. And so this starts to change in some way. It starts to pull Elisha out of what probably he was comfortable with, his normal rhythm, you know, cause she had to grab a hold of him. All right. And she's like, look, I'm not leaving. You can send your little servant over there and do his thing, but I'm not leaving you. And so it says in verse 30, as I just read, so he followed her. So he, this wasn't in his plan, but God was orchestrating this to do something in the life of Elisha. God was not only gonna perform a miracle, not only show this woman who he was, but he was doing something in this man of God as well. It is never, when God does something, it's never for one person. There's always this thing happening for all parties involved, that God is doing a work in the man of God, and he's also doing a work in the people that he is serving, the, namely this, this woman and her family. Like this went both ways. It always is. That's how community is. It's fellowship. It is common union, communion, like that, uh, that we are all blessed by one another. Like, like without community, we are missing something. Without authentic exchange and recognizing people by the Spirit and then them blessing us by who they are in the Spirit. I mean, this is what community is all about. It is a literal spiritual exchange. It is Christ in us. It is Christ in us. It is, um, you know, bearing one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. Um, Paul, as a spiritual leader, mentioned time and time again 
that I have, I'm encouraged by you. You are, he told Thessalonica, you are my joy and my crown. You know, I am comforted and encouraged. Like he was just as encouraged by being in community as those that were looking to him as a spiritual authority in their community. And I can testify of that, that it is reciprocal. All right, that's how community works. Somebody needs to say amen. So once again, um, stubbornness is a virtue. Let's go to verse 32. We're almost done, folks. We're almost done. Verse 32, when Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. Verse 33, he went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Verse 34, and he went up and lay on the child put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, and stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. And here it is. This is so bad. Like, if you look at Elisha, now he's positioning himself. And God was like, no, Elisha, you can't delegate this one to Gehazi. You can't delegate that. You need to step out of your little... You're gonna, you need to step out of, your, out of your green room. You need to step out of your insulated way of ministering. You gotta step out of just speaking a word. You shall have a child in, you, in one year, right? You need to step out of just prophesy. You need to step out of your spiritual gift. And this is, this is it, folks. This is my last point. And this is so important, that people need your life. Okay, like, like the Apostle Paul said, this is what he said. He said, I did not only preach the gospel to you, but we gave you our own souls. And in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, you weren't even supposed to touch a dead person. If you touch a dead person, you just die. So Elisha did the unlawful thing. And I think this just, this represents the Christian life that, that we are called to not just, um, minister to people from this safe distance and to refuse to be inconvenienced. That true ministry, true serving and blessing others. I'm not saying we don't have healthy boundaries. Um, you guys, those that are a part of this community, hear me preach about that a lot. But we need to be as Elisha and he literally uh, metaphorically laid his life down for this child risked his life for him and that he couldn't just delegate it hey here send here's my staff here is here's my authority as a prophet it didn't work it required him it required him um i recently a friend told me that you know he um he works in the marketplace a lot of his friends are unsaved he works a lot he's out there in the marketplace running his business and so he does work a lot and a lot of his friends are out there he's like really trusted a man of great character a christian a, a follower of christ and he had this one opportunity um to to pray for a gentleman's wife that was um suffering for with terminal cancer and he noticed in that moment, man, I should pray for her right now. And he didn't in that moment. But this man knew him, trust, I mean, he was, he's like, kind of like, he was that, that you know, that Christian friend to them. Um, and he, he felt really bad. He talked to me about it. Man, I missed it there. I missed that moment 
of praying for that person. Then he goes on to tell me how, man, he's bit, he's helped this person, kind of been over their house, helping them with stuff, and um, just trusted guy, always there to speak to him, encourage him, and all this. And it just sounded like this guy has an authentic relationship with this man. He might have missed a moment to pray for somebody, but I encourage a man, don't beat yourself up. It's all good if you feel like the Holy Spirit might have convicted you and says, man, you, you missed that moment. But look, don't beat yourself up. Why? Because ministering to people is not about just some moment. It's not like we just have some moment. Um, Elijah represents in this moment that he literally laid down his life for this person. And, and this is something that God desires of us, that we're not just, you know, we have this moment, we speak this word, and we're like in this, in this insulated, we're in our own little bubble, and we can just, no, God requires, God desires that we literally give our life to people. Like, that, 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 that and I'm not saying everybody, I'm not saying everybody, but somebody, um, God wants to use your life, right? And this man, this Christian brother of mine, he is, he is literally like pastoring this person. I'm like, don't beat yourself up, man. You've proven over the years, your faithfulness, your character, your life testifies. You might've missed a moment, but understand that this man is, is, is receiving the testimony of Christ because of your day-to-day life. So once again, verse 34, and he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. He stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. Verse 35, he returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. It's a process. It required him. I know this is like, this is prophetic in a sense, or this is uh, like this metaphor, uh, but the Bible says, no greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. I mean, this is what it means to minister, to be a Christian. It's my life. It's my life. Stretched out himself out on him. Um, then the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite woman. So he called her and when she came into him, he said, pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet. Verse, this is verse 37. So she went in and fell at his feet and bowed to the ground and then she picked up her son and went out. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm here to tell you, church, that when we make room for honor, when we make room for God to speak into our life, as we start this fast, I encourage you daily, these 14 days, make room for God. Make a room for him, right? Make some room. It can be a time of day, a place and time, but make room to seek God. Let, let, let's do this. Let's seek the Lord together um, and, and, and know that um, as we do this, right? Write down what God's speaking to you. Write it down. Journal it. What is he saying? What, what is he? It might be a scripture. It might be some direction in your life or it might be write in your journal the things you are coming to him about and for. Prayer needs, things you're thinking about things you're desiring to do for God, write them down, make room for God. Once again, what is in your space? 
So make room. Let's make room for God today. Let's make room for God at the beginning of this year. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for everybody joining today. I pray in the name of Jesus, uh, Lord, that as we fast and pray, Lord, that as we carve out time and space for you, God, I pray that you speak to us, God. I pray that we find direction. I pray that we begin to live and to walk in this realm of the spirit by the spirit of God, under the authority of the word of God, like never before. I pray, God, that even through this, even as Gehazi and, 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 and the prophet Elisha and this woman kind of represented this community of people that, that were able to walk with God through tragedy together and come out the other side with miracles. I pray that we as a community would live like that, that we would exchange honor for honor, Lord, and blessing for blessing in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that you grace us to do this over these next 14 days. In Jesus' name I pray, everybody said amen. God bless you, church. I love you, and I'll see you next week. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.